Lord, would you use these times this week in our lives? These are strange times. Absolutely off the wall, strange times. Has there ever been a time in our lifespan when things have been so confusing, out of order, upheaval, fear, anxiety? But Lord, in your goodness to us today, would you speak to us through your word? Make yourself known. And Lord, it would be wonderful if revival broke out here this week at camp. Lord, where we would hear from you and Lord, you would build us up and you'd give us strength for the labor and passion for your cause and people would get saved and we'd have the joy of the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit and we'd be living life like we're supposed to be. Oh God, wouldn't it be great if you brought revival this week? May we be listening for that. May we be humble before you before that. May we be responsive now as your word is open to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love Family Camp One. This is it. This is where it's at. Uh, this is, I think, our fifth year that we've had this privilege to come up here to Family Camp One, and I just, I just love this. In, in, in our church, there's a little bit of a debate which Family Camp is best, and Family Camp One has it by, by far. All right, this is the place to be. Uh, there we go. Got one amen on that. Um, how many of you are staying over in Loop's Lodge? Who's in Loop's Lodge? Anybody? Yep, right here, right, right here. That's the place to be, all right? That, that's the best spot all, all the way for sure. Any, anybody staying in Loop's number two? You are? Okay. Are you signed up for it for next year? Don't, because I want back there, all right? <laughs> we love Loop's number two. That's the place to be. We, we really like that. You're welcome to have it first come, first serve, but we'll be there right after the service. Uh, okay, there we go. So I, I, I just I love everything about this place, and I can't wait for next year when the rock is up, all right? You think we can do that by next year? Come on, all right? Hasn't God already provided in some fabulous ways already over two $2 million for that project? I can't wait for that. that. That's going to expand so much. And I love the preaching of the word in this place. Um, this is good. This is good. I want to start by uh, teaching you a, a new word. That's kind of a family camp one thing, isn't it? All right, um, Pastor Duffy. Uh, if you want to know his word, he'll be wearing it on a T-shirt here after a little bit. Uh, that's just a thing. Uh, we, we learn new words when you come to Family Camp One. Here's a new word. Stressability. Um, I, I guess it really is a word already. It's, it's, it's in the dictionary, I, if you want to call Wiktionary a dictionary. But uh, there is, the, there is the, the, the quality of being stressable. Huh? <laughs> That's not much of a definition I think it's a poor definition because it's containing the word you're attempting to define. 
So I've, I've come up with my own definition for stressability, and I think it really is an important concept for us to chew on these next couple of days. Stressability, the ability to use the pressures of life in a productive way. Everyone has stress, and it comes at us in different ways, in different times, in different amounts, and, and our tendency is to run from it or to be screaming, I can't take it anymore. But God is not giving you more than what he intends for you to have at that very moment. So it's not God's problem, and, and our approach to what we think of stress what we're thinking about what's going on really is important that we don't think of it as something to run from, but to understand there's a work of God in this. The ability to use the pressures of life in a productive way. Now, there's a reason for this this series this this week for us. Um, It's personal. See, I, I want to handle stress better. I've not been very good at that. I want to be happy. Anybody else here want to be happy? I, I, I want to feel better. I, but, but more important than that, I want to be productive in God's kingdom. I, I, want, I want God to be able to use my life for his, his purposes that, that expand far beyond just me. And quite frankly, I've, I, I've been a little bit stressed out about coming up here and teaching here this week. <laughs> um, usually when we come to family camp, I'm chill, uh, my wife are walking around camp, just relaxing. We like to go to the swing. They're right there by the, the lake. And, and that's, that's the quiet spot. That's a piece. You've got to find that spot. And if, if, if you can get there, uh, that's a place just no problems can exist on that swing. You're just right out there by the, by the lake, and you're just taking it all in. Um, I love hanging out with church families, taking the prayer walk, um, taking naps, that's a big thing for me, all right? At my age, I, it's afternoons here, I get to take naps and do nothing. But this year, <laughs> this is kind of work. Um, I, I, I have to prepare. I have to think. Um, I have to practice what I preach. I can't be stressed out because I'm preaching about being stressed out. That's stressful. God gives stressability. His grace is sufficient. The weaker I am, the stronger he is. And that's when we realize the power of God, the goodness of God. Remember, remember when you were back in high school and you had to take the SAT? Ah. <sighs> And I remember thinking, you, were, you, you, thought, you thought this as well. It can never get worse than this. It does. The stress. Ladies, remember that day, those days, that month before your wedding, that you were preparing that wedding? All the details. Every, every, I'm just amazed at how much work. Yeah, um, all the work that goes into a wedding, and the lists, and everyone, that's, and it doesn't never works out quite like you planned, and you have to make adjustments. And ah, the wedding. My daughter said to me a while back, "I, I don't want to be stressed out about my wedding. I just want." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, she's getting married in 32 days. I, we have four daughters. Talk about stress. 
we have we have four daughters. They're all grown. Uh, one is married, and they, they live in New Hampshire. Have a bunch of boys. It's it's a it's 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 a it's a ball to watch them. Uh, I have another daughter and her family that are in um, um, Salt Lake, and they work in a church there. Not the Mormon one, uh, but they <laughs> in the Gospel Grace uh, on staff there. And I have a, a daughter and her husband that live in Milwaukee. And they've started a couple of businesses, and that's going well. And then my youngest daughter um, is going to get married, and I can't wait. All right, let's get this done. I mean, that's, that, I've been looking forward to that. That is so good. But, but there's so much stress going into preparing for this thing, and, and there's so much stress whether is this is really going to happen or not, you know. And, and uh, please, uh, this is going to be so good. Uh, How do you handle stress? How are you doing with that? Maybe you have a baby that's screaming all night. Or a teenager. Wow. Talk about drama. They're starting to be able to answer back and give you their opinions. And how are you doing with that? How are things going at work? Are you under the gun? What's the atmosphere like at home? Is it stressed out? Is it the, the, the silent treatment stress? You know how that is? Um, how about at church? Have any health concerns? My prayer is that this week, as we gather around the Word, around this one passage, and we come back to it, look at it this way, come back, look at it this way, and we come, that, that, that there is going to be some grace of God that you're going to experience the empowerment of God upon you in a very personal way. Most people go through life constantly feeling stressed out, on edge, constantly burned out, exhausted, uptight, anxious, worried, pressured, constantly feeling guilty, overwhelmed. A constant state of stress. It's like the engine is revving at 5,000 RPMs nonstop, and you can't, you can't let up, and it's just coming at you all the time. That's not the way life is supposed to work. When you read in Matthew chapter 6, we'll be in Matthew 11 here in just a moment, but can you go back to Matthew chapter 6? When we read in Matthew 6... We realize that being stressed out is just unreasonable. It's, it's unreasonable. It's, it's, Ill, it's illogical. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. You know what that word anxious means? Stressed out! Okay, I really look stupid when I just did that, all right? So can you all help me out here? Can, 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 can you all just do the same thing with me so we get the point of what this word means? All right, on the count of three, everybody just do what I just did. One, two, three. Stressed out! That makes me feel so much better. Um, that's what that word means. <clears throat> Don't be stressed out about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Did you ever notice that, that worry has a tend to exaggerate like we just did? It makes you go over the top with concerns. It's just over the top. And worry just doesn't work. I mean, it's not the way life is supposed to work. Stewing without doing will ruin your day. And so we're going to focus on on doing some things that that can deliver us from stewing. So, So stress will not destroy our effectiveness and, more importantly, our relationships. Do you know how how one person is stressed out in the household, how it seems like everyone else is as well? They're just kind of on edge and pull them back. Oh, God, help us. Being stressed out is unreasonable. Being stressed out is not normal. Now, I think most people have come to the place where they just think that's the way it is, but it is not. Being stressed out is not normal. Normal. Birds don't worry, do they? Uh, start with this, Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds of the air. Do that. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, are you not more of more value than they? Where is your happy place? The place you like to go and I just like being here. Where's your happy place? My bed. Your bed. That's that's the right spot to be, all right? <laughs> just let me sleep. For me, it's our kitchen table looking out through our double windows and the and the deck door there and out there my wife has Flowers This time of year, just flowers, uh, pink flowers, red flowers, orange flowers, yellow flowers, uh, and more pink flowers, and, and, and they're just all over the place out there. And I just love to sit at the kitchen table with my one cup of coffee a day, and I love to just sit there and soak it in and just look at that. It's beautiful. Those flowers, God's been watering them, and, and they're, they're, man, they're just beautiful this year. One flower pot, I think, has purple, yellow, pink, red, orange, all together clustered. And, boy, somebody did that right. This, look at how beautiful God can make things. Ah, So, yes, I admit it. I'm an old man. I like to just sit and look at flowers, okay? That just, it's just so peaceful for me. And, and we also have, have a, a bird feeder. I mean, a squirrel feeder out, out in our yard. Uh, and, and we love, we love our, 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 our bird feeder. And it's, so it's just right outside the window. And so we have these flowers and, these, and, the, and this bird feeder that the squirrels have taken over. And so we're always anxious about the, the squirrels. Um, but, you know, I find it so relaxing because I realize that these birds realize that God's going to take care of them. The sparrows, a bunch of sparrows. Finches, yellow finch, purple finch. A bunch of cardinals we have come in on a regular basis. I think eight or ten at a time through the wintertime. We had a chat the other day. Oh, there's a chat. And and a Baltimore oriole. That's a beautiful bird. 
You're right up by the window. Look at that. Look at that. Woodpeckers, they're welcomed at our place. All right. The woods place. All right. Okay. But God takes care of every one of them. Every single one of them. And we have hummingbirds. Not just one, not just two, but three. And I love watching those hummingbirds. They just fly in, and, and my wife has that hummingbird thing filled up with sugar, water, and whatever else it is. And they, they get into that, and they, and they stop, and they look around, and they get in some more. And, and then they're up, and they're ready to go again. And about that time, the other hummingbird comes in and, and tags them, says, you're it. And then they just take off running, and then they come back, and then they get some more. And, and then the third one comes in, and they're just all over the place. And then they come and zoom by me when I'm outside there, and they come on, tag, you're it. Come on, chase us. And I don't have a chance because those things are fast. And I realized that their life is consumed with eating sugar water and playing tag all day long. What a life. What a way to go. They're not worried about anything. There's not a bit of stress there. You see, stress is not normal. I think we think it is. That's not the way God intended it. Now, we will have responsibility and duty and opportunity and work. God made work before the fall. And so it really is part of our productivity. And we'll get to that a little bit later as we go into this passage. But anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Oh, Proverbs 12, 25. It's not normal. It's unreasonable. It's not normal. Number three, being stressed out is unnecessary. Look at verse 30, Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Have you looked how high the corn is already? And down in our region, it's definitely knee-high by the 4th of July. It'll probably be head-high by the... It's, it's looking like it. But God's making that grow. Being stressed out, worry is just unnecessary. And here's the truth. God will clothe you and feed you and take care of you. And faith is acting on what you know is true and living in accordance with that, making your choices by that. If we don't have faith, we're going to be incredibly unproductive. And it will simply, this, this stress will simply ruin our lives. Don't let that wear you down. So, so I want you to realize that, that being stressed out is, is, is a choice. It's, it's, it's a bad habit. It's, a, it's something we do so often that becomes just a habit that, that becomes part of our character. But God can change that. And with God's help this week, God's going to help us to do that. And, and I want us to learn what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, you love that passage. 1 Peter 5, 7 calls for us to do, to cast all our care upon him, literally to unload or drop it before God, to open our palms before God and say, God, you take this. How? That is the question. We all know everything I've already said here. We all know all of this stuff. But how do we move from our stressful habits to a life of faith? How? 
I'm drawn in the scriptures as I study the scriptures to that question often. How? What, when, where, why, to what extent? All those questions are really important. But I just, I, I constantly come back to, to seeing how often the scriptures really do answer the question, how? We're not left to our own devices to figure this out. God shows us how to live our lives. So, Pastor Danny here a few moments ago asked how many were stressed out. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but, but how many of you are experiencing stress? You're not sleeping well, you're constantly fidgeting, on edge, maybe mad, depressed, fearful. Personal stress worldwide is at a rec- record level. I've never, never seen the world so on edge as it seems to be right now. Would you agree with me on that? Suicide is the number one injury death in America. Uh, money concerns, health concerns, relationships, bad relationships, and poor diet. The media all add to these things, the media. You know what? I, I've gone on a media fast for the last three days. <sighs> and I hope to go through that. If, if no one will talk to me about the news, I'll, I'll appreciate that. All right. But this whole week, I just, I just want to say I'm, I'm not going to look at anything about Fox News or whatever else is, I, and definitely not the other stuff. You know, I'm just, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want any of that, right? I just want to focus on the goodness of God in this place. Anybody else want to join me with that? Take a, a news fast. Um, so there are many factors that influence our stress levels. There are some physical things that are happening, and one of the best things you can do is get to the doctor and get checked out do that first and foremost. Make sure you... We live in a nation where we have great health care, that doctors are, are, are able to take what they've learned and, and apply it to your situations. And don't be afraid of going to the doctor. You, it, it's a good thing for your stress levels. Um, sometimes there are emotional habits that we have that become... That, that wise counsel can very much help. Sometimes it's heredity. That just, it's, just, it's just kind of the way you're wired. I know for me... I, I have some, many of the same patterns that my mom and dad had. And I'm going, oh, so that's what they were going through. Now I get it. Um, you may have PTS, post-traumatic stress. It's a very real thing. Very real thing. But here's the good news. There, there is great help available with that, and I would I would love to point you to some resources for biblical counsel that that can guide you and with understanding and, and, and ongoing encouragements and relationships and help with that, that 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 you're not alone. The devil's lie is to make you think nobody else can understand. God understands, and there are so many that that really are some great resources that I've never seen before that in the last couple of years are coming together to, to help in that regard. And you know what? As God gives you grace. God will use you to help others, and then that gives some great productivity as well along the way. So be encouraged about that. My focus this week is on the spiritual influences on your stress level. All right? Um, What will build me up to handle this stress that's in my life? What will enable me to use this stress to be even more fruitful? 
not to get away from the stress, but God, use that to help me be fruitful in your kingdom and for your cause. Before that, let me just take a couple of minutes for um, um, a couple of practical pointers here. Uh, just, there's nothing preachy about this. It's just good stuff that I've observed over the last little while. You want to, if you want to make a list of these, you can. You come up with your own list. But practical things that help with stress. Uh, number one, have a designated place for things. When you walk in, have a spot for your keys. This is for me. Um, my family laughs at me because this happens all the time. I'm walking out the door. Where are my keys? So who took my keys? Where'd they go? And instead of showing me mercy and compassion, they laugh at me. <laughs> and you know what they're saying? Again, Dad? You know, you could, you could put it where it's supposed to be. So I have now I have a little hook where it, when I come in, that's where it goes. And when I leave, that's where I get it. Uh, just have a place for things. Uh, number two, write it down. Everything. Write it down. There's no better memory tool than your pen. Write it down. Well, there might be one other better memory tool. That's uh, my wife. <laughs> um, she is great at that. And so what I do now is instead of writing it down, I will just text her, this is what I need to do. And she'll put it on my calendar, and it's never forgotten. That's the greatest strategy. Guys, just take advantage of that. Um, uh, or you can just pull out your phone and say, um, Hey, Siri, remind me to be done by 11.45. Okay, your reminder is set for tonight. (laughs) So, we'll be here a while. One time, a couple years back, I was, I was in a service like this, and I'm preaching away, and, and, and I said, I'm serious. I need to ask you a question. And I went on and asked the question, and out of the clear blue, over here in the audience, I heard a very clear voice saying, I do not know the answer to that question. <laughs> it's a great resource. You never have to forget anything. You don't even have to write it down. You can just talk to that Siri thing and shh. All right. Develop systems, routines, where, you, where you're just doing it without having to think about it. On Monday mornings, I have a routine. You see, Monday is the most important day to me other than Sunday because I want to get things going. So I have certain routines to get my study going through the day on Monday morning and then early afternoon. And by the end of the day, hey, we know where we're going with this. And, but if I don't have that routine, I'm just all discombobulated and I'm, I'm behind for the whole week. And so uh, set up routines that you just, you just do just because today's Thursday, so this is what you do. Today is Friday morning, so this, and you'll have, you have certain routines. So learn to build on that and, and learn to be able to just think about one thing at a time because this is where you are in your routine. Plan ahead. My, my dad, pre-plan. My dad planned out his funeral, everything about it, all the costs, everything was bought and purchased and all organized, and he handed me a list and said, this is what you'll be, be doing for this, and, and uh, he's, he's 85, and he was so ready to go to heaven, and he had it all taken care of so that when it came time for us to say goodbye and for him to go to heaven and for us to go through all the funeral process, 
Oh, it made it so much easier. Simply because he planned ahead. That can go take so much stress out of those stressful moments if you just plan ahead. And fifth, relax and sleep. Uh, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, and if I were to ask my children this, if they were standing up here right now and say, so finish the sentence, what is the most spiritual thing you can do? They'd all say, take a nap. Uh, there were a couple of things my kids were used to me saying as they were growing up. I, I'd say, read your Bible, pray every day, and don't do anything stupid. They got that. And they also knew sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just take a nap. Or get to bed at the, certain, at the right time on a regular routine. And that can just relieve so much stress along the way. But you can do all these things that are just these practical pointers. You can be doing all these things and still be stressed out. I want you to learn spiritual stressability using those things that are happening in your life in such a way where God is at work through it to make you productive in his kingdom and for his glory. And we'll come back to that word glory in a big way coming forward. You were not made to handle life alone. You are made to be productive in God's kingdom with Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's the goal for us to experience Matthew chapter 11 personally. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. We're going to walk through this. We'll look at it from several different angles. Look at it again. We're going to chew on it. We're going to do some things with it. I hope that you'll be able to get very well acquainted with Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. We'll get in the car and drive this thing and take a journey. And hopefully we'll be able to keep on going with this journey even after this week. Handling stress should be and can be a spiritually productive experience. Most don't see it that way. They just don't. I discovered the greatest place to get just the right answer every time I look at it. It's called Google. You go there, and the first thing that pops up, that's always the right answer, right? Wrong. Um, so I was Googling a while back, you know, as I was getting ready for this several weeks ago, I was Googling um, how to handle stress. And WebMD came up with, with an article that they had, and they had all these, these components on this list. And I thought, that's a pretty good list, but they left one out that I think is the main component. Here's their list. Exercise, relax your muscles, <sighs> deep breathing, <sighs> okay, uh, eat well, slow down. Slow down. Take a break. Vacation. You know, for me, one day of skiing the slopes in Utah is better than a whole week's vacation. I just, it's just so refreshing and invigorating. I don't get to do that a whole lot anymore, but, but that, that just, I just, find something that you love doing. Have a, have a hobby like that. That's another thing on their list here. Um, and talk about your problems. Now, that one I didn't understand. Just talking about problems, I I know getting it out and venting, I get that, but uh, I think there's got to be more to it than that. Go easy on yourself. Uh, Eliminate the triggers. So that was the list on WebMD. You can look it up. Just type in how to handle stress, and that'll be one of those things that'll pop up, and you got their official, these are the right answers, but they missed the answer. They really did. You can be doing all that and still be stressed. Matthew 11 28 through 30 is what they missed. 
So we're going to look at this passage, again, from different angles, but hopefully in a way that will be very useful and personal, not just talk about it kind of stuff. We're pretty good about talking about stuff. I'm talking about doing this stuff, living it. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a beautiful word. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now that is a cool statement. Gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, will you read this out loud with me? Over the course of this week, I hope that you can have this memorized. Now, here's my challenge. I memorized this with a King James way back. And so when I'm looking at it like this, it's just all confuzzling. So you help me get this memorized again, right? Because there's no ye in there and all these other things. But So help me with this, okay? Let's say it out loud with me. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How can this be? What is this idea of a yoke? And why in the world did Jesus say he is gentle and lowly? And how in the world can a burden be light? I love this promise. I will give you rest. For your soul. Rest. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 7. God will provide relief. Rest for your souls. I think is what the King James has. Uh, I think the, the message has it translated. The break you've been waiting for. Ah, relaxation. So there are several statements given here that we're going to look at right here, and then we'll come back to and look at it in different ways throughout the week. Uh, uh, Here in our English, it's kind of listed as verbs, so I've called them that, but actually one of them is an adverbial uh, use of of this imperative. But I want you to see three imperatives and then, then one promise in these action statements in Matthew 11. There are four of them. Let me point them out. Verse 28, come. Verse 29, take and learn and find. One of the best ways to discover what's there in the scriptures is just, one of the first steps is just identify the verbs, how they're put together, and and what is the call to action. So we're going to look at that here in these next few moments. And there's 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 an important there's important understanding of these things. So we'll just work through these things in the next couple of minutes. First, come to me. This is it's an invitation. It's an imperative invitation. 
Um, it's, an, it's, it's an adverbial imperative. It's a command to follow, to, to actually believe and do something with this. Take up the invitation. Come. Just as I am, I come. And it's come to me. Jesus is saying this. The Messiah. It's come to Jesus. Life is all about Christ, our Lord to God and God. You, you look at this Bible, it's, it's all about Jesus. God making this promise that he would send uh, the problem solver, the rescuer, this anointed one, the one and only God in the flesh, the Lamb of God which has come to take away the sin of the world, this problem that we have of our fallen condition, our separation from God, all have sinned and come short of the glory. We're going to come back to that. This glory of God. We're not there. We need God's help to get there. Otherwise, life is going to fall apart, and sin happens all the time. But Jesus Christ came to deliver us from that. And Jesus says, come to me. And that really is the call. And I'm going to come back to this again and again this week, that that you will come to Jesus Christ. First and foremost, to the gospel for salvation and realizing that life isn't supposed to work without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you come to him in faith believing, you will receive this gift of eternal life and his righteousness, which builds you up for the task of your life and for all eternity and your eternal purpose and productivity for God and his kingdom. You want to come to Jesus And on a daily basis, you keep on coming back to this command, come to Jesus. And we're going to look at how to do that. I love that little word, all. Come to me, all. Not just those that have the status or the the qualifications or the brains or the money or whatever it is. Every one of us has this invitation to come. But there's a choice indicated here. You can keep on going your own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. Yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But you have a choice. This is a principle throughout the scriptures, and it's a word that's used in the scriptures. It's called repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You turn from what you think you want in life and your control of life, and you, you turn on purpose and come to Jesus. On a daily basis, you're coming, throughout the day, you're coming to Jesus. All. And this all has a qualifier to it. All who are taking a beating. <laughs> you're laboring. Can't handle this anymore. Well, this is an invitation for you. To come back to Jesus and the gospel and his ways that are perfect and right and refreshing. Come, you who have a load that's too big to manage. You who are heavy laden, come. Come to Jesus. And again, the question is, how? How do we come? Got that figured out? Are you doing that? Are you experiencing a life of coming to Jesus? It's not just talk, but it's what you're doing. How? We're going to come back to that. The second action 
take my yoke. Literally here, allow God to be in charge of your life. Allow God to bear the weight. And again, the question for this imperative, that this aorist imperative that we're given here, to take this yoke upon you. How are you going to do that? Again, the, the, the picture here is of a, of a yoke made of wood that's it's hand cut to fit the neck and the shoulders of, of the oxen. And there are typically two of them together. But and this is key. It, it was a metaphor for submission in this Jewish culture. So when they heard take up the yoke, they weren't necessarily thinking of, uh, yeah, we, they get the picture of the oxen and what's going on in, in, in the cultivation process. But their understanding that taking this oak was a means of, of obedience to yield to the guidance of the master. The master kept the oaks, ox, excuse me, the master kept the ox under control and guided that animal for effective work. And Jesus says, take my yoke. Christ focused entirely upon the task of doing his father's will. You know where he's going. Not my will, but yours be done. We yoke with him. Again, the question is how? God's giving you a toolbox for that. We'll talk about that some more. The third action, learn of me. Train, be an apprentice. Come in, move in, do the job right beside me, along with me, and, and I'll start you on it. Then you'll do more and more, and then you'll become more and more effective. And this is, this is the, the word montano, or to learn, uh, actually by practicing and doing it. It's closely related to the word that we have translated in our scriptures, make disciples. All right? So you get a picture here. You get a picture here of drawing close to Jesus, working side by side, letting him train you in how to do this. And then Jesus says right in that context, for, and the little words in the Bible are really big words, and for in this context is really huge. The reason we're in this discipleship relationship is for us to realize something about Jesus. For I am gentle and lowly meek and lowly. What in the world does Jesus mean by that statement? And the fourth action, you will find rest. This is a, this is a promised result. Certainly it is a, in a future active indicative. This is just the way it is. Uh, it's, it's future, certainly in the future, but it's the future that's right now as well. When you are walking through these, come and take up the yoke and, and learn of me, there's something that's going to change in your life. You're not on this trail all alone anymore. You have an amazing resource, amazing help. You find something that is in Christ that, that's building you up for the task, and no matter how bad it is, he's there for you. Remember, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And you will find rest. Oh, I just love this word, rest. I want more of it. It's the idea of what Sunday's supposed to be, the Sabbath. 
What, what God had as the beginning principle on the seventh day, he rested. Not only was it the idea of being able to stop and look back at what's been accomplished, but it's being able to gather the energy for where we're going to go next, what's coming next. And you're energized. When you think of rest, I want you to think of energy, productivity. We're going somewhere with this, the way Sunday is supposed to be. He says, I will give you rest. So learn to rest as you get into the Word. Learn to rest as you pray. Learn to rest as you experience the presence of God. And learn to rest in your productivity. This is where we're going with this. Ten years from now, when you think of June 2020, what's going to come to your mind? <laughs> Confusion, craziness. What in the world is going on in our world? Uh, in fact, as I understand it, uh, 2020 now has a new definition. Uh, 2020 now in our culture, if a man is just going berserk, he's mad, he's irritated, he's blowing his stack, the woman calls up a friend and says, my husband, he's just gone 2020. <laughs> he's crazy. He's out of it. That's 2020. But I, I, I like this definition much better. Vision. I'm praying that God in these next few days will give you a vision what it looks like to have the power of God upon your life, the grace of God ruling, the strength of God so that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Look what God's doing through this. Look what Jesus just did. There's a lady in our church. She's 99 years old, Helen Jondal. And she, in my mind, is the epitome of this picture. Uh, she still comes to church every time she can. She has arthritis that just, it just is it just debilitating. It just hurts all the time. But you never know that when you talk to her. Uh, one of my greatest joys of ministry in Muscatine is to be able to go and visit Helen. Uh, Mike and I will go by and visit, or Lori and I will go by and visit. And when you walk in, uh, she's just so glad to see you. Oh, Pastor, it's just so good to see you. Here, have a seat. But before you do that, you got to hug me. And, so we'll, and it's not just a little, you know, pat your back hug. It's a <laughs> cheek-to-cheek hug. I mean, it's just, oh, wow, this is so, oh, that just means so much. And then she goes right into this conversation of, you know, God and I were just talking. And she has this Bible study that's going on, in her pr and her prayer journal is falling apart, the prayer journal we have for our church. And, and it's so real to her. And she's constantly thinking of, uh, well, this, this neighbor that came by, I, I gave them the gospel, and my, my, my nephew, uh, I, and he was going to come by, and I'm just praying, Pastor, would you pray for him that he would, he would hear, hear of Jesus, and I, I just want God to use me. She's 99. Isn't it time to take a break? She's experiencing the rest of God, the, the power. By the way, just because we get old doesn't mean it's time to quit. That's some of our most effective time for what this is talking about. So Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 will be our, our main study for the next several days. We're going to ponder God's revelation 
We're going to learn to humbly pray. We're going to seek God's presence. We'll walk in purity with God and with others. And we'll enjoy the energy of a productive life in God's kingdom. You were handed uh, an additional handout. Uh, those, I think, several, most families received one of these. It's a stack of papers. There's one for each day. You're welcome to work ahead on it and cheat sheet. Go ahead with that. That's fine. But today, may I, may I ask you to take some time to just go to the scriptures on your own or as a couple in your family and just talk through this? Really what I'd like you to do is spend some time actually memorizing these three verses. They, they all go together. There's a flow to it. And so if you will write out the verses after you've said it out loud five times, just sit down and try to write it out. See how well you do with writing it. And then go back and do it again. Say it out loud three more times and then write it out again. This is a very important step. It's a big part of your Bible study. If you will then take those three words and put it into your own words. Paraphrase it. All right? Take, take a few minutes to come up with your own wording on it. Now, if you need a cheat sheet, you can go to the New Living Translation. All right? And start there and kind of rework it around. But, but start thinking of what this might sound like in your own words. So say it out loud five times. Write it. Say it out loud three times. Write it. Then write it in your own words. Come up with other words other than the words that are actually there, just so you're thinking through the concept. Will you do that? And then take some time to discuss this. What is come? Uh, what are the ways you're taking a beating right now? So what is this concept of yoke and submission to God and his rule in your life? How that might look in your life. And then how you're experiencing learning and what are the different ways God is prompting you to learn? And then dwell and think about rest and enjoy your Sunday here at camp and experience rest. Lord, you've been so good to us to be able to gather in this place, to be able to gather around your word that we might hear your Holy Spirit's encouragement you're with us you're a very present help in time of trouble thou God seest me not only that you say you promise I will never leave you I will never forsake you Lord we need your help there are some problems that people are facing here today that are just overwhelming but God, your grace is sufficient. You are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we would ever ask or think. God, you are my God. There is none other. May you be exalted as we walk by faith and take the next action steps to experience your rest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.